Our sponsor today is Socksbox. Are you tired of reaching into your sock drawer to find a bunch of single socks with no match? Enter Socksbox. For a small monthly fee, Socksbox will send your door monthly a box of single socks in a variety of colors and styles, just waiting to match those lonely socks languishing in your drawer. Subscribe to Socksbox today. Socksbox. Grow a pair. All right, let's turn it up. Hello, free birds, and welcome back to Skinnerd Reconsidered, the only podcast where this guy talks about Leonard Skinnerd a whole lot for some reason. We are actually recording this episode from California. So, so far we've been on the beach. We've been my hometown, south of Nashville. And now we're all the way in California. That's three locations in three episodes. We're globetrotters here on this podcast. I hope this goes better than the beach episode. I brought Clarence along with me. I'm out here for work for about two weeks, and I brought Clarence along because I wanted to record some episodes while I'm out here. You know, the bad news is that I I miss my family when I'm out working here in California. The great news is I've got plenty of time to record some podcast episodes, so get prepared, Freebirds. You're probably going to hear a lot from me in the not-too-distant future. But anyway, I brought Clarence out here. Um, We're sharing a room. So far, it's not going great. He, he's in a real mood. He keeps scratching his arms and his back and his legs and complaining about the lack of utensils in this hotel. It makes no sense to me, but why would Clarence make sense? So let's just move on from that. I'm going to share something personal with you Freebirds today. Hopefully it doesn't make you feel sad, because it shouldn't. But... This very day that I'm recording this podcast, it's my birthday, and I am turning 40 years old. So you're probably thinking, simple man, it's your 40th birthday, and you're recording a podcast and hanging out in a hotel room with Clarence? What has happened to your life? Well, the fact of the matter is, simple man's got to work. He's got to pay those bills. And it's not bad. Believe it or not, I actually do have a very loving, wonderful family and great friends. We'll celebrate when I get back home. But here I am alone in California, and I thought, what better way to celebrate my 40th birthday than to record a podcast where I talk about Leonard Skinner? All right, when I say that out loud, it sounds weird, but just go with me. Things are great. Everything's great for the simple man. This is not cry for help. Before we get too deep into this album, we're already on song three. I want to talk about the musicians, the players, the band at this time. Who are we listening to? Of course, we got Ronnie Van Zant on the vocals. And then we've got three, I'll say it, legendary guitar players. We have Gary Rossington, Alan Collins, and Ed King. The interesting thing is that Ed King, as much as we think about the three-guitar attack with Skinnerd. I was completely wrong in discussing 
the first album. Okay, I've got a lot of, there are corrections that I need to make, and this is going to be the first one. Ed King actually played the bass on the first album. I thought it was Leon Wilkinson because he's on the picture on the album cover. He was one of the original Skinnerd members. But actually, Leon left the band just prior to the recording of the first album, Pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. And so Ed King then joined the band from California, and he primarily played the bass on the first album. And I think there's a lot of amazing bass work, a lot of really cool bass lines on the first album, all courtesy of Ed King. And he didn't play much guitar on the first album. So this album is really the first one that features that three guitar attack from the three main Skinner guitarists. There's another great one that we'll get into later on. But it's Gary, Allen, and Ed on the guitar on this album. Then, of course, you got my man B. Powell, Billy Powell on the keyboards. And then you have Bob Burns on the drums. We haven't talked much about Bob Burns. I mentioned him, I think, last season because he helped co-write Mississippi Kid, which, as my friend Aaron pointed out, oddly enough, is one of the few songs that has very little drums, if any, on it. I think there's a little bass drum, a little kick drum there. And so Bob Burns wrote a song on which he would not be featured. Very selfless of him. Bob Burns, I think, was a perfectly adequate drummer for this band. He played on the first two albums, which are recognized as their best albums, certainly their most popular albums. But I'm more of an Artemis Pyle guy. We'll get into Artemis on the next album. Bob Burns, to me, didn't do anything really special. He was fine. I think if you had to pick a weak link in the band, it might be Bobby Burns. But no offense, because he played perfectly well, and he serviced these songs. So nothing against you, B.B. Also worth noting, on this particular song today, you're going to hear some horns. I think this is the first song by Leonard Skinner where horns are featured. You can hear in the second album, they're starting to expand their sound a little bit. You hear in the first song, Sweet Home Alabama, they have the female background singers. There's horns on a few songs on this album. Bobby Keys is one of the dudes playing a horn. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't know which one. I think saxophone. Bobby, Bobby Keys. Let's talk about him. Bobby Keys is one of the guys playing horns. He played the saxophone. And he became pretty famous in his own right. He was... Very good friends with Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones and played on a lot of the Rolling Stones albums, became a pretty important part of their sound on certain albums. He also played with George Harrison, John Lennon, Eric Clapton, Joe Cocker. So he was a very accomplished saxophone player. I'm a little weird when it comes to horns and my rock music. A lot of times it turns me off, but sometimes it can really work. And Bobby Keys, he was one of the good guys a uh, funny story about him, the first part isn't funny, but Bobby Keys passed away a few years ago. See, that's not funny. But he died. Um, he lived in Nashville, Tennessee, where I was born, very close to my hometown. And it just so happened that about two or three weeks after Bobby Keys died, the Rolling Stones were coming to Nashville to play a huge concert at the at football field or wherever. And the night before the Rolling Stones concert, there was a show at a pretty cool, smaller 
venue, a rock club in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was a tribute to Bobby Keys. So these guys, these great musicians, got together to play some songs that Bobby Keys had played on, and a rumor started to spread that members of the Rolling Stones would show up and participate in this Bobby Keys tribute the night before their huge concert at the Tennessee Titans football field. And I guess that's believable and logical in some ways. They loved Bobby Keys. Like I said, Keith was a close friend of his. So the rumor spread the tickets to this place sold out. I think it holds about three to 500 people. Tickets sold out. And all of a sudden, there's huge demand for these, these tickets. And tickets are going on eBay for thousands of dollars to get in to see this Bobby Keys tribute. And guess what, Freebirds? The members of the Rolling Stones did not show up to that show. So I wonder what it's like to imagine being one of the people who paid $5,000 for a ticket to get into this rock show at this small venue. You're just seeing a bunch of local musicians who I'm sure are great, but they're playing this tribute to Bobby Keys. And at what point does reality sort of set in? You know, at the beginning, you're thinking, well, of course, the Rolling Stones are going to open the show, but I bet they'll be out here later. And then song after song after song goes by, and there's no Mick, there's no Keith. Maybe you get to the time for the encore, and you think, well, here we go. going to get my money back now because here comes Keith Richards. Well, he didn't show up. What, what does that feel like at the end of that show? I guess if you've got a ton of money and you love the Rolling Stones, maybe it's worth a gamble. But the moral of the story, folks, is be careful with your money. Don't just throw it around. I'm sorry, I'm in no position to pass out morals, life lessons. I'm turning 40 years old and I'm recording a Leonard Skinner podcast in a hotel room. Just me and Clarence. Clarence is just sitting over in the in the bed. We have a pretty big room. It has a desk where I'm recording. And Clarence is just staring at me from, from one of our two beds. That's gross. The song for the day is Don't Ask Me No Questions. This song was written by Ronnie Van Zandt and Gary Rossington during a fishing trip. And you'll actually hear that reflected in the very last line of this song. This is a good one. It's one I know. It kind of reminds me of Gimme Three Steps. It's the third track on the album. I think Skinner was very careful about sequencing. Al Cooper, the producer, sure helped with that. The third song on the first album was Gimme Three Steps. The third song on this album is Don't Ask Me No Questions. They're both short, three-minute songs that start out with a pretty catchy guitar riff. It's kind of your poppier catchier Skinnerd. They have both have lyrics that are somewhat humorous. And guess what? Maybe you guys don't think that's the coolest Skinnerd out there, and maybe it's not. And look, I love the nine-minute jams when they work, when they go somewhere. But give me a good hook, some good lyrics, and I'm sold. That works for me. So let's hear what you guys think. By Leonard Skinnerd. this is Don't Ask Me No Questions.
Skinner starts out with a great guitar riff, you're immediately hooked. stop for a second there. There's a fun little bit there that maybe you could only pick up on the headphones, but at the end of that first verse, they're not going into the chorus yet, but you can hear someone, I don't know who it is, but they start to sing, so don't ask, start to go into the chorus. Uh, it's pretty subtle. I'll try to play that back and amplify it. That usually doesn't work, but slap on some headphones if it doesn't and listen to that right after the first verse ends someone starts going into the chorus al cooper i guess just decided to leave it in there i don't know who it was but i'm guessing that ronnie figured out who it was and somebody probably lost a couple teeth over that mistake all right let's get back into it hit it boys skinner meet horns horns meet skinner Ronnie sings this chorus, the melody he uses, he goes up on the U, the U, it echoes the last line of the verse before he goes into the chorus, the lose, lose, U, overdue. It's a trick that Ronnie uses quite a bit and it really works here. I also like these lyrics. I know I said in the Sweet Home Alabama episode that Sweet Home Alabama was the first hit. For the band and that is correct but that does not mean they weren't having success before this album was released when these lyrics were written or not written by Ronnie when this song was recorded they were having a, a great deal of success touring opening for the who we can talk more about that later but so they were doing well and they were getting to the point where I'm sure when Ronnie went back to his small hometown of Jacksonville, Florida, they were the conquering heroes returning home and probably had to answer a lot of questions or deal with a lot of fans, friends who wanted to get a piece of the action. Oh, and this is a quick song, but of course you're going to get a great middle guitar solo. This one is from Gary. That's Ed King that's playing the slide guitar. Again, you've got all these great guitar players, and they were all gracious enough to take turns and not try to overcrowd one another. So hit it, Gary. Hey, 
we got to stop right there. Those are some of my favorite lyrics ever written by Ronnie Van Zant. I know I've criticized his lyrics a bit in the last couple songs. And maybe you're thinking, I didn't hear much there, nothing special. But to me, that's what's so great about Ronnie Van Zant and his lyrics is they're very simple and straightforward. They sound like the way Ronnie Van Zant would probably talk, but he is able to convey quite a bit in these simple lyrics. So let's look at this these first two lines of the last verse. He says, What's your favorite color? And do you dig the brothers? Striving me off the wall. So in the first couple verses, he's talking about his friends back home and how when he gets off the road and he goes back home, he wants to be left alone, wants a little quiet time. And so now, to me anyway, and I have not looked this up or confirmed that this is what these lyrics mean, because honestly, if it's not what they mean, I don't want to know it. This is what works for me. I think here he's shifting to complain about rock journalists. He says, what's your favorite color? He's talking about all the just stupid, mundane questions that a rock band constantly is asked, especially back in those days, meaningless, pointless questions that they have to answer. And then the next part of that first line is, do you dig the brothers? Which personally, I take to mean, do you dig the Almond Brothers? Because Ronnie is being asked about the Almond Brothers band, since the other part of rock journalism criticism is that they always want to compare you to another band. The Almond Brothers band were the biggest Southern rock band at that time. They are one of the two biggest Southern rock bands of all time, along with Leonard Skinner. So he's saying it drives me off the wall to have to answer these stupid questions all the time, to have to hear comparisons to another band when we're just doing our own thing. So without saying I hate rock journalists or I hate rock criticism, he has these two lines that tell you everything you need to know. It's great internal rhyme in the first line. There weren't a lot of complicated rhyme schemes with Skinner, but he gets the point across. And it reminds me of Frank Zappa. I'm not looking this up, so I'll paraphrase. But he had a quote that was something similar to rock journalism is people who can't write interviewing people who can't talk for people who can't read. Of course, I personally enjoy some rock journalism. It's probably going out of style, out of fashion. Back in the 70s when Skinner was around recording this song, it wasn't so easy to listen to new music. You couldn't just press a button on your phone or your computer and check out a new band. So it was a lot more important what Rolling Stone had to say about you. That's how a lot of people decided how they were going to spend their hard-earned dollar on a new album. And I remember even when I was a kid buying a CD and not having a lot of money and buying it, and it was kind of a dud and just that feeling of just being so let down and you didn't know when you're going to buy your next CD and suck that you bought this one that wasn't great. But I do still enjoy reading about this kind of stuff. That's probably pretty obvious considering what I'm doing here. I used to be a smart guy who would read actual literature by Faulkner and Nabokov and those people, and now I'm just a dumb guy. I've, I think I've read five books about Guns N' Roses. Well, I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life, but we all have to admit that it is somewhat crazy to 
be a rock or music critic, or to be any kind of an art critic. These people are putting everything they have into this. They're putting their art out there. They're probably more talented than the people that are criticizing or reviewing them. And honestly, let's face it, it takes a certain kind of person with a huge ego to listen to the music and reduce it to a rating, reduce it to a number. Pretty gross if you think about it. I will be writing this song in a bit, but before we do that, let's finish this one off. Don't Ask Me No Questions by Leonard Skinnerd. I like that song a lot. The last line, he says, If you want to talk fishing, I guess that'll be okay. I told you before, Ronnie and Gary wrote this song while they were out fishing. I think it's pretty cool how they incorporated that into the lyrics. And Ronnie is saying, Hey, I appreciate your feelings. I still want to be your friend. You want to hang out and talk about fishing and the things that we used to discuss? Let's do that. But I don't really want to talk about the music business and, and everything that I'm doing with that. So I think it's a good song. Like I said before, I think it's one of the catchier songs that maybe people who aren't avid music listeners that aren't as into Skinnerd, they might be able to enjoy. I think the introduction of the horns works. And you've got a lot of great lyrics from Ronnie and some really great singing. I said before he wasn't a great singer, and by that I meant he's not a Jeff Buckley type or somebody who can just sing in a million different octaves. But the guy could sing. He had a great brain for melody, for cadence. The rhythm in which he sang was very impressive to me. And the fact that he could come up with these lyrics and remember them and then sing them the way he wanted them back in the studio and then live, I think is very impressive and shouldn't be overlooked. So we're going to rate this song in a minute, but before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Soxbox. If you're like me, you somehow always mysteriously lose a sock when you do laundry. Am I right? I mean, what is the deal? Finally, there is a solution. For a small fee, Soxbox sends you a box full of single socks to unite with their perfect match every single month. So what are you waiting for? Grow a pair and subscribe to Soxbox because one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Thank you, Soxbox. Check it out. All right, so let's rate the song. This may not be the most life-changing song by Skinner or the most complex or amazing thing they ever did, 
But I think it's a great, fun, three-minute song. It's kind of the Skinnerd reconsidered of Leonard Skinnerd's songs. They get in, they get out, they keep it short, and hopefully everyone's pleased. So I like this song a lot. I'm going to give it, on a scale of one to five Skinnerds, 4.4 Skinnerds. A solid rating there. Let's do the dad reviews. I've heard from some of you out there, and I think this has been a, a bit of a hit. And we're, we're running low on time, and I'm trying to keep it short. So we'll, we'll forego all the um, conversation and just take a look at what my dad had to say as far as his rating goes. So let me pull that up. Right, I'm going to tell you right now, just from what I've seen, I'm trying not to look ahead, but... The Simple Man is pretty hard on Skinner, but the Simple Man's dad, who loves Skinner so much and inspired this podcast, is even harder. I think what he's doing, he's, he's rating these songs as compared to other Skinner songs. So some of his ratings may not be as high as you would expect. For Don't Ask Me No Questions, Dad gives it a... 3.5. 3.5 Skinners out of 5. I think he, he likes that one, but maybe not his top choice. It's funny, I always thought that last line of the song where he says, Ronnie says, if you want to talk fishing, I guess that'll be okay. I always thought it was, if you want a television, I guess that'll be okay. And I remember being a young kid and even asking my dad, why would he say that? What does that lyric mean? And my dad explained to me that certainly back in the 70s, a television was a big deal. And people were probably assuming that Ronnie had come into some money and might have been asking for things. And so Ronnie was saying, don't ask me about my business, but here, I'll give you a television. I'll give you a TV. And actually, that lyric completely makes sense, but it's not at all the actual lyric of the song. It's about fishing, talking about fishing. Fishing. Yeah, southern accent coming out. So that's about it, but before we go, I do want to introduce one new quick segment. I've sort of avoided this topic because I feel like when people think about Skinnerd, if they know about Skinnerd, they are thinking about Ronnie being a rough, redneck, a fighter, a crazy drunk, and everything that I've been able to determine. Ronnie was a, a very sweet, thoughtful, intelligent man who drank a lot. And then when he drank, he became a pretty violent person. So I want to give the whole story here. I don't want to hide the truth from you freebirds out there. So we're going to introduce a new segment called Ronnie's Rumbles. And Rumbles is spelled R-U-M... Who gives a fuck anymore? So Ronnie's Rumbles... Today's Ronnie Rumble is a story about when Billy Powell on the piano played an intro to Freebird, as he always did, but in this case, Ronnie felt like the intro went on a little bit too long. So after the show, Ronnie Van Zant approached Billy Powell and he punched him in the mouth and knocked a couple of his teeth out. That's what it was like, guys, touring with Ronnie, being in Ronnie's band. He was in charge. 
he was a badass and a tough dude, and if it, things didn't go his way, he was going to let you know. And I'm not at all glorifying that type of behavior, but it's part of the story, Freebirds. So if you're uh, Billy Powell, you probably learned not to stretch out on that piano intro because Ronnie might knock a few of your teeth out. And believe it or not, there are much worse stories to come in this new beloved segment that we call Ronnie's Rumbles. But that's enough for now. Next episode, we're going to talk about one of my very favorite Leonard Skinner songs. It's called Working for MCA. Talk about great Ronnie lyrics. We're going to get into some in this next episode. So thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, please email me at skinnerdreconsidered at gmail.com. Please follow us on Twitter if you're so inclined. Skinnered Reconsidered is on Twitter. We're also on Instagram. I'd love for you to follow me. I'd love to get your thoughts. Please provide your feedback on what you think about this song, what you think about the podcast, positive or negative. I'd love to hear it. And until next time, I must be traveling on.